0: What's going on gamers? Welcome back to The Graveyard. I'm The Graveyard Gamer and thank you for joining me for another episode of Graveyard Gaming. And in today's episode I want to discuss storytelling in video games. I want to talk to you about what makes a good story, what are some of the types of stories we see in gaming, and with that some of my favorite game stories in those different types, in those different categories if you will. I also want to pose a question to you about what I think is going to be a big issue as we continue on in this next generation of gaming. And of course, I'll be jumping into the graveyard shift to talk about all that I have been playing and a few things that I plan on playing very, very soon. So with that being said, guys, let's jump in and let's talk about storytelling. (laughs) Gamers, before I get into storytelling, I want to talk about what makes a story matter to me in gaming why is it that i get so wrapped up and i look forward to games with really good stories honestly they don't have to be so involved that you're constantly watching cutscenes you're constantly having long conversations but i like a good story why is that because a good story will draw you in it for me it gives me that anchor point of why i'm playing this when i think about the assassin's creed games now this is what's crazy a lot of people i love the modern day sections on those Maybe not so much in the gameplay and walking around, but I love that anchor point. The reason for why we're exploring the past. And I do like the lore of it, but again, it's something that has drawn me in. I'll give you another example. What gaming can do. Look, if The Last of Us, when it released in 2013, had come out and the story would have been okay, I don't think it would have had the impact that it's had. To be honest with you, The Last of Us, when it came out, and this might sound controversial, but listen, I love this game. The gameplay is really well done, but it's nothing revolutionary. It doesn't break any new mold. There's nothing super amazing about it. It's a survival action game. But it's that story that people talk about and have talked about for the longest time. A good story can take something that is already okay, but just make it amazing. Now, at the same time, I want to be clear. I'm not saying every game has to have this amazing story. And I'm going to bring up the Kingdom Hearts games, for example. I played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I enjoyed the story. But I tell you right now, if you look at some people that have really followed the lore, played the mobile games, there's a lot going on there that they absolutely love. I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little confused by a lot of what was going on in Kingdom Hearts. But again, that rabid fan base is because of that storytelling that people got sucked into. I got to tell you guys, I know that storytelling is not the number one thing. I mean, for me personally, it's got to have good gameplay. But if you butt that gameplay up with a fantastic story, I'm going to tell you right now, that game is going to be in my disk drive for a long time. Because a good game, backed with good gameplay, just makes me feel like I am living in that world. Gamers, when you talk about storytelling what makes a good story well there's different types the first one i'll talk about is a theme and the game that i'm going to point out for that is red dead redemption 2 because the theme in that game is redemption it starts off as arthur's kind of a hardened outlaw and while he's not too you know aggressive or rude depending on how you play it's really once you get to about chapter four and you know dutch's plan really just starts to unravel and arthur kind of catches wind of like hey something's not right here At the same time, when you get a little farther in the game and you realize that Arthur is actually dying, it changes. I knew it changed me. The way that story had been built up, the way that character had been made, and the way he just wants to do right before he moves on, it made me play the game different because I was that wrapped up in the story. I wanted that redemption for Arthur. Now, at the same time, let me also talk about a different theme. The theme of the game as well is not just redemption, it's about how the West... The Wild West is no longer being wild. The U.S. government is coming in. They're they're kind of taking over. It's not going to be this Wild West do what you want to anymore. And that theme is played out through Dutch. A lot of people overlooked that and just saw Dutch as crazy or a betrayer. But really what it is is Dutch is losing his place in this world. That Wild West that he loves so dearly is going away. It's talked about on the back of the box. It's talked about theoretically in the game and whatnot. But it is played through with dutch's character if you don't believe me go back and play the game and watch how dutch really starts to unravel the more and more the game goes on now i also want to talk to you about another type of storytelling and that is told through family tension now one of the best ways i can point this out is the last of us the original one and i say that because at what point does joel ever look at ellie and say hey you're my daughter in fact in the game he says you're not my daughter At what point does Joel ever, or Ellie ever say Joel's her dad? Guess what? That never happens. But we as gamers, because we are so wrapped up in their relationship and the tension that's going on between them and then how they come together and become a unit, we as gamers have said that Joel sees her as a daughter and she sees Joel as a father. And that is never said. But it's that family or that thrown together family tension that just kind of builds along. When Ellie is you know, held down, and, and you think she's about to be, you know, murdered, or even worse, and Joel comes in there, she's basically smashing the dude's face in with a machete, you feel for her, and then you feel for Joel as he sits there, and he's calling her baby girl, and it's okay, it's okay. It's because it's become a family unit, and we've got wrapped up in that story. Another one would also be the Uncharted drama, another Naughty Dog game. They're really good at this family tension. That would really show in Uncharted 3 when you see Elena and you realize her and Drake, they're married, but they've hit a hard spot. They're not together anymore, but you love them so much throughout that game. You just hope they get back together, and when they do, it's great. But it's more played off in Uncharted 4 when, you know, hey, Nate is doing whatever he can to live a good life, to do what Elena needs so that they're working together, having a great life, but he wants something more. And when he runs off and he goes and he starts the adventuring and then you have that great scene where he walks in the hotel and there's Elena, that scene is powerful. And that scene is powerful because you don't want them split. You can feel for both of them. You want them to stay together as a family. And it makes the ending to that game so... So sweet, I guess you could say. Like, it's so amazing that they are together. You see that they're going to have this great life together. And it's because of the family drama, the family tension that pulls at our heartstrings. We're easily able to get drawn into that and put ourselves, our significant others, our kids in that situation. Now, another one I would have to say, and it's similar to family, but it's more of that character interaction, is God of War. And I'm referring to the PS4 version. And more specifically the moments when atreus Kratos' son is heartbroken and or he's very frustrated that he can't do something or whatever it may be and he's just sitting there on the verge of tears and kratos is standing behind him and he reaches his hand out to put his hand on his shoulder in a sign of love and compassion but he can't do it the ghost of kratos's past hold him to it the fact that he just doesn't feel like he can show that And you just see it on his face. You see it on Trey's face, how much he needs it, how much on Kratos' face, how much he wants to. It builds and builds until the end when you can finally see them embrace. It's just so great. You see that father-son bonding relationship. And it's just fantastic. On top of that, I would also throw out there, I know Hulking Yoda from Lost at Sea Gaming here on Anchor would agree with this. That's Days Gone. Look, Days Gone's story is really well done. But the strength, again, is that character interaction. The way that Deacon St. John actually talks to all the different people that he works with at the different settlements, if you want to call them that. The way he will sit there and he will go and he will talk to a rock in place of his wife who he can't find. It's, It's amazing. It really does. It makes you feel for it. It makes you enjoy the game. And I can't think of a better example of a game that proved me wrong with how powerful its story is and again it's not based on the world being overran by zombies it's how those characters interact with each other now what about epic foundation for a franchise now a lot of times this is kind of a prequel game that'll come out later and the one right off the top that just popped in my head was assassin's creed origins that game does such a fantastic job of sitting there and saying okay we've established this lore But what if we want to go back and show how it began? That can be tricky because you can easily start to, you know, leave things that just don't make sense anymore. You can start to say something that just counteracts other things that have said. Assassin's Creed Origins does a great job of going back, re-establishing the lore while showing you what happened. I mean, just the fact that Bayak loses his finger by accident with the Hidden Blade and we know that, hey, for centuries, they would actually cut their ring finger off just because of that. The fact that Aya and Bayak decide, hey, we can't be together. It's not gonna work. We have to stay focused on the mission. Again, for centuries, until Atier changed that, no assassins were able to have, you know, a family. And then the assassin's symbol itself, the eagle jaw from the skull, just again, these are little things that build up. That's not even getting into the actual, hey, the lore of those who came before. Or the fact that you would also see the little steps that would make people realize we need to make a brotherhood against this organization. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the game, and maybe it's Valhalla, I don't know, that they start calling themselves assassins. That they're no longer a brotherhood. That, hey, we are assassins. I'd like to see where that happens. Again, that's just another example of this epic foundation building because as much as it is cool to just have the game sometimes it's cool to see where it all began but what about something a little lighter guys what about comedy and i'm gonna be honest with you i've got a couple of games that just right off the top of my head really nail comedy in gaming saints row 3 saints row the third i guess is its real name is such a funny game it knows not to take itself too seriously it also has a nice line where Hey, it doesn't seem so far wacky that it's just out there. like Kind of like Saints Row 4 ended up being. But Saints Row 3 has a great job. It's self-aware. I mean, one of the best parts in that game is when zombies are overrun, you go to see the mayor, and the mayor is Burt Reynolds. And it just makes you laugh because it's like, what? Like, how did this happen? But it's funny. At the same time, I've talked about these games forever, but South Park, the fractured butthole, I mean, and the stick of truth those games are just hilarious you will want to keep playing those games because they're so funny you want to see what's going to happen next now i'm going to tell you another type of game we get and that's finding your place in the world horizon zero dawn to me stood out as a game that really showed how to do this because there's a lot of times we're introduced to a new series and hey look here's a brand new world to explore what do you want to do first how do you want to do it I think sometimes when you take a character like Aloy and the story with Horizon Zero Dawn where everything's kind of a mystery but you know there's something there. And she's written in such a way that she's very curious. As curious as you are as the player, it just meshes well together. She becomes your avatar as you're exploring this world. And I absolutely love it. And of course, while exploring and while playing the missions and understanding the story, you start to unravel this mystery. You figure out what's going on in the world. And you genuinely feel connected to it, just like the game wants you to, but it works so well in this. And I'm gonna throw this out there for you guys. One last one. Actually, this is more of a point. A good story can overcome bad gameplay. And that might be a little controversial, and a lot of people are like, ah, if a gameplay is bad, I can't get into it. But I will say this if, and maybe this is just me. But if the gameplay is really good or okay but the story's whack i can probably still enjoy the game if the gameplay is not good and the story's bad there's going to be no attachment for it but if that gameplay is bad and the story is actually really well done i want to know what's going to happen and my best example for this and i'm going to tell you a lot of younger gamers are probably not even going to know this game existed but it's Batman Dark Tomorrow. And I know Hulking Yoda once again knows this game because we have talked about it. Listen, guys, that game is horrible. YouTube that game, watch the combat, watch the gameplay. It is horrible. And it is broken. And I can tell you I went out and bought the strategy guide when it came out, thinking maybe I just didn't know how to play it. And it would tell you where collectibles were, but they weren't there. And oh it was so bad. But the story was so well done, I kept playing it. A good story can do a lot for gaming i love a game with a really good story and honestly sometimes a story can kind of burden a game i'll give you an example of that before i in this a mass effect a drama to be honest with you the story the main story i should say was actually really well done but mass effect is known for a lot of the side stuff and all of those stories to me were so bland that i couldn't get into them And it kind of made me go on the game. I know a lot of people have crapped on that game. I don't think it's worth all that hate. But again, story matters to me. I hope it matters to you. (music) Gamers, I told you I was going to pose a question. And that question is, what are we going to do about hard drive space as we move forward into the next generation? Mr. C and I, Mr. C from Gaming with Mr. C on YouTube, that is. We were just having this discussion today. And to be honest with you, it's a discussion that's kind of got to me personally a lot lately. See, I have a one terabyte external drive for my PS4. I'm getting to the point that I have to upgrade that and get a 2 terabyte drive. And I know that doesn't seem like much, but that's not going to cover all my games. I would have to get a lot more to cover everything. But I'm going to slim down what I got. I'm going to make sure I've got the most important things on that hard drive. But what about looking at this next gen? These SSD drives, have you looked at how much they cost to get a backup one? They're pretty expensive. And to only have less than a terabyte size in these Xboxes and PlayStation 5s, that's, that's not a lot, guys. Especially as games are getting bigger and bigger and these updates keep coming and these patches. They're eating up space to the point that a lot of gamers are having to look and go, okay, what do I need to cut off my hard drive? Because not every gamer can go out there and say, okay, cool, I'm just going to go drop 250 bucks on an external SSD drive. I don't know what the solution is, but it's something I see being an issue the further and further along in this generation we go. Personally, Mr. C brought this up, and I 100% agree. I think they should have done something, some kind of, instead of a disk, maybe a USB drive. For every game, give you a USB drive. Hey, this USB drive is... 50 gigabytes, the game is 40. That gives you 10 extra gigabytes that if there's an update or a download or DLC, you can fill on that before having to transfer the rest to your internal hard drive. Now, I don't know if technology exists to make that happen, but I would much rather have a bunch of little flash drives with a game on it than having to delete games and having to re-download games when I decided, no, you know what, I really would like to play that game again. Guys, I don't know what the solution is, but I think something's got to happen. Especially as we get further and farther into only digital. Maybe streaming is the way. Maybe you'll have the choice of buying a game and downloading it to your console or just streaming it. And that's great, except for the people that don't have great internet or the people like myself, that are going to be somewhere that for about a year, the internet's going to be very unreliable. Or maybe you live in a place where you have a cap, a data cap. All these things can be issues. And look, I, I understand gaming can be expensive it's just kind of part of the nature but I do think Microsoft and Sony and the developers have got to find a way to not make it so crazy to just want to play your games this was never an issue in the PS3 and before I actually went into the PS4 and the Xbox One generation going man why are people complaining about 500 gigabytes that's a lot goes quick and these newer games on these newer systems it's going even quicker guys So my question to you is, what do you guys think is the answer? Is it just, hey, play a game, enjoy it, and delete it? Honestly, that's why I still buy disc games. Because it's a lot quicker to install a game off a disc than it is to download it. But hey, I posed the question. You guys let me know what you think. So gamers, what have I been up to in the Graveyard Shift? Well, let me tell you this about the Graveyard Shift. It is a super-sized edition of the Graveyard Shift because I've actually done a lot. Now, of course, I will start off with Assassin's Creed Valhalla because, of course, I played Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But here's the thing about Valhalla. I think what I've been doing the last week or so has gotten me to a really good place. It's gotten to me to a natural pause place in the game so that I can kind of step away from the game for a little bit. I finished up the Kingmaker Saga, which is the story arc that I was on. I didn't start it, but I did kind of choose to go to East Anglia to start that story arc, which I have 18 story arcs left ahead of me in this game. So I am nowhere close to being done with this game. But at that point in time, I also went through, I got all the artifacts and the world events and mysteries and the wealth in the areas of Leicestershire and Grant Squire because I kind of want to focus on like, hey, if I'm doing a story arc in these areas, by the time I'm done with that story arc, I want that area to be done too just because I don't want to get overwhelmed. I don't want to get farther in the game and realize, man, I still have so much side content to complete. So I'm trying to take care of that. Like I said, I moved over to East Anglia. So that's where, you know, I'll try to make sure I get all those collectibles as I play the main story as well. But the reason it's a good spot to have that natural pause is because I decided, you know what, my gaming goal, one of them was to sit there and kind of incorporate more than one main game at a time. I wanted to make sure I was branching out. Like, don't be so stuck to one main game. And I thought, you know what? The perfect game to try that is Spider-Man Miles Morales. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to wait till I got a PS5 to play this, to play this with that DualSense controller. But to be honest with you, I have no idea when I'm going to get a PS5. Like, it just seems like right now, those things are so hard to get. So I decided, you know what? I'm feeling it. I want to play it. So I picked up Spider-Man Miles Morales. I put about three hours in so far. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love it. I really do. That's no real shock. I love Spider Man when it came out a couple years ago. I played through the game twice, did the DLCs, got the platinum. Like I mean, I loved that game. So this is like a little brother to that game. You know, it's it's its own little thing, but it's the same mechanics, same story, all of that fun stuff. So I've definitely been enjoying it. I do plan on getting the platinum in this game. However, I will tell you this is also not going to be my main focus right now and i know that's kind of crazy like whoa i thought you were kind of taking a break from assassin's creed to make this your main focus nope and i'll tell you why <laughs> because as much as i've thought to myself for the last few weeks hey i'll get to hitman 3 you know as soon as i can when there's another break man i kept seeing game informer articles i kept seeing different articles online screenshots whatever it may be different previews i'm a huge fan of hitman it's one of my favorite franchises I had to go ahead and get it. I had to go ahead and pick up Hitman 3. Now, here's the funny part. As you guys know, the Graveyard Shift is called that because I get up super early before work to play for a couple hours. Well, this morning, I got up. I thought, man, I was going to get to be able to play the first mission, tell you guys all about it on this Graveyard Shift. But as I went to load up my PlayStation 4 and I went to go click on Hitman to play it, it let me know that it was not going to be available to play until 7 a.m., which, guys... That is the time that I close down the PS4 and get ready for work. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to try it out. But with all three of these games, how am I going to incorporate that? I said I wanted to do two. Now I got three main games. Here's the roadmap, if you will, for how I plan on playing these games. Hitman, I'm going to be honest with you. I love to play the Hitman levels over and over again, finding new ways to do stuff. But I think for right now, I'm just going to focus on just playing the Hitman game. Just enjoying it beating the levels, seeing the story that I really enjoyed, especially after that twist in Hitman 2. I just want to kind of enjoy it, have fun with it. So I plan on just kind of mostly focusing on it for right now. I do plan on in the summertime, like going back and really doing all the fun experimenting and all kind of cool stuff you can do in a Hitman game. I'll wait till the summer when I have much more of that precious, precious thing we call time. Right now, I just don't have that. So I'm going to enjoy Hitman. I'm going to play through it. And when I get done with it, Then I'm going to go back to Spider-Man Miles Morales. And that's when I'll kind of incorporate a little bit more Assassin's Creed back into the mix. But with Miles Morales, I will spend a little bit more time on it because I plan on getting the Platinum Trophy. I don't plan on coming back to it at some point. You know, I plan on, hey man, I'm going to spend, if it's 20 hours, i want to spend the 20 hours playing through it, getting that Platinum Trophy. And at that point, once those two games are done, then Assassin's Creed Valhalla will probably be my only main game. For a little bit longer, and maybe down the road I'll decide to throw something else back in there. But that's the game plan for now. You might say, well, what if playing Hitman, you decide you wanted to play some Assassin's Creed? You don't want to get lost on it. You're loving the game, and that's right. If the situation should come up that, hey man, I got to take a break from Hitman. I've completed a level. I got like 30 minutes left before the graveyard shift is over. What I'm gonna do? That's when I'll jump back into Assassin's Creed. That's when I'll go to East Anglia, and that's when I'll start. Kind of knocking out some of those wealth or the mysteries, world events, artifacts, all those kind of things. I'll, I'll start focusing on those little side things for right now. I probably won't start a story arc until, again, it's just Assassin's Creed and Spider-Man. Other than that, though, what else have I been doing on the Graveyard Shift? Well, I got to tell you, I got a chance to play WWE Battlegrounds. As you guys know, I'm a big WWE fan. I'm more into the simulation as opposed to, you know, arcade version of WWE games. But I got a chance to play this, and I got to tell you, the first hour or so I played, it was multiplayer with my kids, and we all had a lot of fun. This morning, I popped it in, I played a little bit more, this time focusing on the campaign, and I was enjoying my time there. I mean, there is a visual kind of coolness to the way the characters look, uh, the moves look really cool. And just kind of the aesthetics is what they're going for. The game is fun. It's very over-the-top in the mechanics and whatnot. I only played a couple of matches. Like, I don't want you to think that I played through the whole thing. But it was enjoyable. Now, I will say my initial reservations is it's not quite as good as WWE All-Stars was. I enjoyed that game about 10 years ago. It was over-the-top, but it actually had a good combat system to it. It could be because I am so in the early steps of this game But it doesn't feel like there is a lot of moves to pull off. Like your signature moves are there, and there's moves off the tops and punching kicks. But I ended up doing a lot of the same suplex over and over again. So I'll be very interesting to see as I progress in the game, as I move along, as I learn, honestly. And that's the important thing, is I haven't played the game enough to really be judgmental on it. But as I learn and play, if I'll say, okay, you know what, this game actually does have a cool combat system it's a lot of fun but either way i was enjoying it i do plan on continue playing it here and there throughout the time (laughs) once i kind of get some that that precious time i should say but that also brings me to this month's trophy of the month award and i have to say it goes to assassin's creed valhalla and it is the witch hunter as you know if you've been playing the game there's about three witches in the world and look the two of them Are so far above me that it doesn't take much for them to get the upper hand. And start beating the crap out of me. The third witch though. It took two fights. I had to run off. I have to admit. I had to run off. Heal up. And then come back and start the fight again. You had to be strategic. You had to fight just the right way. But ultimately I was able to take her down. You get a really cool reward for it as well. That's connected with I'm assuming some lore. At the same time it's also connected with a really cool reward to continuously track down as you continue the game it's just unfortunate that i'm not even close to taking those other two witches out but the accomplishment of itself getting the trophy for taking out that first witch that first step into this uh story if you will was extremely satisfying and that is why it is my trophy of the month Gamers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Graveyard Gaming. If you did, how about a subscribe? How about a like? But I really want to know, what do you think about storytelling in gaming? Is it as important to you as it is to me? Also, what do you think about the issue I talked about with hard drive spaces and the size of games? And you know what? I'm curious. Have you played Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Have you played Spider-Man Miles Morales? And are you one of the people that I consider lucky that got to play Hitman 3 right now? Because I would love to know your thoughts on it. You can always reach me to let me know that at thegraveyardgamer at gmail.com. And if you want to see what I'm up to, you want to see what I'm playing, you can check me out at Instagram at thegraveyardgamer, which not only am I posting new pics, but I'm also doing a time hop dump every day where I'm taking pictures from games that I played a year or more ago and doing it. It's a nice little bit of nostalgia for me, honestly. And then every day that I play, I post pictures on Twitter at thegraveyardg. Check them out. Let me know what you think. But of course, until next time, I'll be creeping around the graveyard.